It is February 21st, 2018. I'm Glenn Rubenstein. This is the Wrestling Inc. podcast. Going to talk SmackDown Live today, a little bit of Mixed Match Challenge. And uh, yeah, with me as always, Mr. Raj Giri. And Raj, we've got a guest coming along in a few minutes. Yeah, hopefully uh, Justin Brasso of Sports Illustrated is supposed to be joining us. So, uh, so yeah, he should be on here shortly. Cool, man. Uh, yeah, I feel like there's a lot to talk about, but it's not all exactly positive given where we're at right now with SmackDown Live. Uh, I'm very curious to know what our fans think. You know, if anything, if this can't be a critique and just a love fest for what's going on, I like to feel that this podcast could be a support group for fans of SmackDown Live that don't understand why we're now in this codependent, abusive relationship with the show that we once loved. Yeah, it's funny because I just feel like SmackDown Live, it's been on a, a downturn for a while now. For, for really a year and um 205 live i don't know if you got a chance to catch it but it was uh, good things it was awesome um but then again hurt badly by the crowd noise the crowd was just dead and you had like yeah. five people chanting 205 and, and uh <laughs> you know it, and it's it, i'm just watching the show just thinking man if you had this in front of a a full sale crowd it would be a hot show um that you know it's a broken record we talk about that every week there's going to have to be some changes behind the scenes. I mean, in general with the WWE, you got to, you have to think with XFL, Vince can't get it wrong this time, right? hundred million dollars of his own money. Oh, he, I mean, they've lost a hundred million dollars many times before Linda, Mac, Linda McMahon's campaigns and the XFL. Yeah, last yeah. Time. It's very easy to go wrong when you're starting a football league. Cause no one has done it right outside of the NFL. Yeah. So uh, it's, it's very tough. I, I think the odds are against it working well, I agree, but I think at the same time, maybe after we get, maybe after WrestleMania, if I'm imagining what's going on right now in WWE headquarters in Connecticut, there's there's a, you know a whiteboard and on there Vince's were WrestleMania and circled it and it said after WrestleMania, guys, XFL is going to get my full attention. We're going to really dive into this and start making some decisions and building things up for that 2020 launch. I have to think that. That's where, I mean, he loves WrestleMania, right? That's his big moment every year. It's what he puts everything behind. I assume we're going to get Pyro back at WrestleMania. Yeah, I mean, they had Pyro at WrestleMania last year. Um, I mean, that's, that, that, that kind of goes without saying. But, yeah, yeah I mean, I, for sure. I mean, he, you know, Vince McMahon is, what is he? He's uh, 72? 70. 71? Let's see. How old is he? He's 72. Uh, running a football league and a uh, pro wrestling company is not an easy thing. Yeah. Hey, Justin, can you hear us? I can. Can you guys hear me all right? Yeah, we can hear you great. Thank you. There were some technical difficulties, but uh, we made it through. So thank you again for having me on. <laughs> thanks, for, thanks for joining us. Awesome, man. Justin, thank you so much for coming to the podcast. We're just we're, we're kind of setting the stage here. Uh, but to, to do so, before we fully dive into SmackDown Live, how have you felt about where the show has gone in recent months? Well, I, you know, I like the tell on the top of the card, but man, we've just seen a lot. I think even last night was a good example of, I feel like we're just going to see so many variations of that main event. Uh, we're going to see Owens and we saw Owens and Ziggler last night, which is a good match. Sure. I didn't like Styles Corbin. Uh, we can get into that too, but I just thought Styles worked really hard to get an okay match out of Baron Corbin last night. But um it's repetitive at times, but I like the fact the two hour format. I mean, it's, it's so quick moving and I do think the tag team division is great on SmackDown. So for every con, there's two pros. 
Yeah, it was something, man. So uh, I believe you reported about Ziggler and his new salary, and he's coming out last night. He got the perm touched up, man, you know, <laughs> flush with cash. He went to the stylist. Absolutely. Uh, I think that it's a smart move for him to come back, obviously. And it was a lot of talk about him leaving. But, um, you know, really, there's nowhere you can build your brand quite like WWE. And we talked about that in the column, or I wrote about that in the column today. I really don't think there's anywhere in the world, A, that can help his brand build for if he wants to go into Fox News or he wants to continue with his comedy career. And uh, I think WWE realizes, even though they don't always use him the best way, how valuable he'd be on the open market. So you think that's that was it? It was more because uh, your your report last week it was two years, one point five million per year. So it was more that he doesn't go to say New Japan um, or an ROH as opposed to keeping him. I think it was a combination. They're going to use him, right? I think the problem is if I asked you this question, I, I want us to see your answer. Who's a better wrestler, Dolph Ziggler or Kenny Omega? Actually, be- better question. Who would you rather watch tonight? Kenny Omega. But I and, and I would too, a hundred percent. But I think the reason is it's like when we, you know, when I wrote the top ten this year, which was so much fun, and people had different varying opinions. WWE schedule is a killer. Not so much that you work so much. We see you too often. I mean, if you see, and you guys watch so much content, but if you see Kenny Omega twenty times this year, sure, that's a lot. You're gonna yeah. see Dolph Ziggler twenty times in two months. So it's really hard to. So I think to answer your question, to go a roundabout way to do it, I think that. Part of it is they know how valuable this guy is for them. And part of it is, yeah, they know how valuable he'd be away from them, too. I think the problem with Dolph is that they've been doing the same thing with him for so long, where they give him this mild push and then beat him senseless, you know, down the card to where he just can never get into, you know, get into a program of his. And he does that same promo. You know, he he goes back to being pretty much a a glorified job guy, uh, comes back, says how he's the hardest worker and he's going to make it. He's going to prove everyone wrong. And then boom, rinse, repeat, rinse, repeat just happens over and over to where I, I think it's just hard for fans to buy it. And even last night, you know, he, they did the big angle. He comes back first. He's thrown out in the Royal rumble in two minutes, comes back, does his big speech about one good Russ Mania's pinned, you know, second weekend. Um, you I know, think it's a great question. Why do I care? Right. I think, I think I ask myself that every week. Why do I care about this guy? What makes me care about this storyline? And if, if if you're questioning it like that, that's a problem, right? Oh, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. I, I mean, again, I, mean, I totally see your point. As Dolph Ziggler as a performer, I think, uh, has a lot to offer. He's a great promo uh, when he's not just doing the same promo, when he's not just talking about how he's the best but doesn't achieve the success that he should be. Um, and I think we saw it. We saw it when he won the world heavyweight title, when he cashed in that money in the bank. I'll never forget that pop that he got when he cashed in on Del Rio. It was insane. Yeah. 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 I mean, the fans wanted it. It was awesome. It seemed like the star making performance Then he got that concussion and he was just, you know, just, uh, in this dizzying whirlwind of mediocrity since then. And it's a lot of it. Again, it's not his fault. And it's so always been booked. Uh, Interesting to compare him to to Cody Rhodes because, I mean, they had nothing for Cody, right? Like Stardust. Oh, my gosh. I mean, it was – the the end was really bad. So it's interesting to kind of compare that with Ziggler. And I don't think Cody's going to necessarily headline Wrestle Kingdom next year. I Mm. think Dolph could. I think Dolph is – Really? I I think so. I think if if you let him go with a guy like Omega, I think think Ziggler – this is – you know, subjective. I think Ziggler's top five in the world. 
But Raj makes great points when you hear the same promo and you're kind of writing the same storylines from over and over again. And we just see too much of them. It's a recipe for disaster. But I think if used correctly, we'd, we'd hardly ever see him if he was in New Japan, did some Ring of Honor spots. I think he'd be extremely valuable on that level. Plus, for the extra, what if he was there? I reported it, he was making, and I heard from he was making a million in the last contract. Wow. For that extra 500000 I think it was definitely worth that for WWE to hold on to him and worth it for him, too. Do you think that part of it is also that anyone that WWE perceives as having half a brain right now, they see as a threat in light of what Chris Jericho is doing, in light of what Cody has done, uh, that what the Young Bucks are doing, that they're more afraid of letting guys go if they perceive that they have some sort of business acumen where they could uh, throw a wrench in the works, as it were? Great question. I think that if you want to control the market and not even not even wrestling, right? WWE doesn't sell wrestling. What is WWE? They're WWE. It's not even pro wrestling, right? Like, so they own the market. So I think you want to own everything. So I, 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 you know, I definitely think that's bothersome when you see guys who are big on their own. I mean, worst case for them, Ziggler leaves, he blows up in New Japan, and then you got to bring him back at a bigger deal, anyways. Like with Cody, now they got to overpay him to bring him back eventually. Nakamura, if he, it's the reason they can't let him leave. You can't let him leave. Then he's more valuable when, he wa- when you want to re-sign him because you know mm. he's going to blow up on the open market. So it's a really interesting conundrum. That's why wrestling's so unique. You know, w, it, even like the UFC, one thing they did really well is they never say the words MMA. The UFC mm. is the UFC. I kind of yeah. see a lot of similarities, a lot of parallels with WWE. You don't hear about pro wrestling. You hear about sports entertainment and the WWE brand. Yeah, and they don't even have a word really for what the wrestlers are. You know, they're superstars, sports entertain. Yeah, superstars yeah. that are sports entertaining in the ring. Right, you don't know? hear pro wrestlers. It's, you know, yeah, they haven't found a, a right term, and it's like until you find a term that people can say, like that's a wrestler. It's because superstar, no one, no one wants to say that. Right, um, and then no one wants to say they're. What are they doing in the ring? They're having a match, but what is what kind of match? And there's no word for it really right now. With them. and the women aren't. We know the women aren't divas anymore, right? So what are they? Right? They're women's professional wrestlers, but you'd never hear that term. Yeah, it's women superstars, I guess. Yeah, females. The female superstars. <laughs> it's uh, and even that. It's um. Yeah, it's problematic right now, and that's why I gotta wonder. I gotta wonder internally what the thought is. Right now, I mean, look, the brand split when it happened in 2016, um, going live on the USA Network, you could tell as a company, so much priority there. Vince, uh, you know, very hands-on, this this almost perfect uh, integration of some of the NXT talent coming up, some of the NXT creative coming up, doing these two shows. And then it became about how can we make this company as profitable as possible. Now, you could say that in part had to do in driving the stock price up because Vince knew he was going to cash out all those shares to have his XFL money. But what era are we in now? So I see that, you know, Vince is invested in wanting to get through WrestleMania. Obviously after that, the XFL deadlines are looming on his horizon. What have you heard about sort of the company's modus operandi going forward, where they're at, what the thought is about, you know, the product as it stands? I think everything turns to, 2019 right everything is the tv deal tv reality right it's so interesting that you know vince has this and i'm sure you guys i know you guys covered it vince has this conference call about the xfl and we're announcing a league with with no teams 
with no franchises, with with no stadium deals, with no. I get the fact there's no TV deal because they did that last time, and NBC, you know, was interested in a bit. But can you guys imagine announcing a football league with no teams? It's just a. Um, it, it's a trailer. Yeah, <laughs> it's a logo and a trailer and a Twitter account right now. Right. It's it's so so. I think that everything and, and to me the XFL. Why is it 2020? It's because the TV deals in 2019, so it's all leverage. Whether or not the league actually happens, somebody might want to run it, somebody might not. But I think that if you get you get the WWE TV rights, programming rights, you get first right of refusal on the XFL, and you can do with that what you choose. I think that is the priority, right? I mean, I don't believe McMahons are selling. I think that everybody's got a price for sure. I don't think people will meet it there, but... I don't know, maybe it's a UFC-type price, maybe they would. But I think everything is, is TV deal, TV deal, TV deal. What can they get for that deal in 2019? That's, that's the direction they're headed. Yeah, and we'll get more into, um, we'll get more into Triple H's uh, role. Did you get to watch 205 Live last night, Justin? I did. Okay, so yeah. So after we talk about SmackDown, we'll, we'll talk about 205 Live sure. and Triple H and his role and kind of the changes we see on 205 Live and if that would work on the main roster and, and, uh, and kind of go from there. Yeah, Did you feel worried as a 205 Live, I guess they're 205 Live stars, kind of a cursed division these past couple months. Rich Swan gets fired on his birthday. The, the Amore thing was bad. Yeah. Uh, definitely a lot to overcome. Yeah, and, um, you know, the Enzo, was, it's a blessing and a curse, man. He, was, uh, he, he wasn't great in the ring. He changed kind of the, what the division was about, but at least the fans were awake for it. Definitely. And now you're having these great matches. I, I mean, I love that match last night between Mustafa Ali and um, Jack Gallagher. And you could hear a pin drop during most of that match. I mean, it was just silence. It's funny you say that. I was thinking the same thing last night. And it, it kind of bought, what bothered me because these guys are, are busting, their, busting their tails to make this match work. And it's a really good match. And, like, would that be better on Facebook Live or the Facebook uh, instead of mixed match? I don't know. But it would give because there's no real storyline continuity with the mixed match challenge. I wonder, like for the cruiserweights, because they do such a great job, would it have been better exposure for them? I don't know. Would it have mattered? I'm yeah. just speculating. Yeah, yeah. I think. So they, last... I mean, I think they. We'll, we'll, we'll get. We'll get to it. <laughs> <laughs> so last night, SmackDown Live opens. Um, what was the exact opening last night? Why am I blanking on this? It was um, uh, oh, Renee AJ. Young, who's who, yeah. you know, interviewing AJ. Renee Young, who's so much better as an interviewer than anyone in the company. She's got so oh, much absolutely. poise out there. No, you don't have that awkwardness that the other interviewers have. Yeah, and uh, it was one of those uh, five-way interruptions last night where everyone came out, their music hit, interrupted the last guy. Except for Sammy didn't come out. Yeah, that's right, Sammy. They saved that. They saved that uh, for... Uh, Backstage, right? Yeah. yeah. And well, and then during the match, the distraction. Backstage. Man, you'd think wrestlers by now would just know, don't take your eyes off the ring. Bad things will happen. And they you should go to ad lib because the, the stuff that AJ had written for him was oh god, god. That's why I blanked it out. Just the whole thing about the boil on Kevin's back. And, and they, the crowd just groaned. I mean, if you heard when AJ delivered the punchline, and, and I love AJ. And man, it, it takes a lot for the crowd to turn against him. And they didn't really turn against him. They just groaned when he delivered that line. It's like, man, they cannot write for this guy. Yeah, it's always been bad. And that's and that's the guy, right? I mean, like, Jesus, with Roman, the crowd wants to throw crap at him, but at least Roman can get through a promo and do the best job possible with what they've written for him. With AJ, I just feel like this has always been a problem, whether heel or face. 
it just never quite connected for me. Less is more for me too, right? Even like the Oscar promo the other night, like sometimes the less yeah. these people talk, the better. Uh, yeah. Big stars. We don't have to hear too much. Like I think styles has more of an aura, the less we hear from him, as, especially when it's going to be bad writing like last night. It just, it wasn't a good line. I agree. Yeah. And it's just also, they give them these kitty insults, you know, like Baron Corbin, like you're a punk, you know, and, and it's and they they script everyone the same. When I th- when I see AJ, I feel like they should be looking at like Bret Hart nineteen nine you know nineteen ninety for when they script his promos. He wasn't trying to be cute, just a hardworking guy, and you just really got behind it, and that's all Tough. it should be. Blue collar, yeah. 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 And yes, that's something, that's something that a ten year old can relate to. I know that we're in the minority here as adult, you know, cover covering covering WWE and and enjoying it. But that's something that like a kid can relate to. This is a blue collar, hardworking guy. Like it doesn't need to be Steve Austin with foul language. The heart parallel is actually a really good one. Yeah. Yeah. Something more, man. Um, for a second, when he was saying that Kevin was looking good, I was going to call out the Kevin's like dropped a few pounds in recent months. I was going to be like, oh my God, they're going there. Uh, that Because that would have been something, right? That would have been like really real between them. But to turn into that joke was just... Uh, this title, run, this this title run with AJ has just been it's been bad, you know. N- Natalie's been pointing pointed out in our chat. It's just been a bad run. Um, yeah, just because he hasn't had that strong opponent, he hasn't had a strong feud, and he's just in this mix with Shane and Daniel Bryan as second second fiddle and as WWE champion. I it's really been, hope after Fastlane they turn it up with with Nakamura. It's been months. Yeah, get get Styles to Nakamura as soon as possible. I couldn't agree more. Yeah, um, so the first match last night, Dolph Ziggler versus Kevin Owens. Yep, I, I like this. I like this match. I thought it was actually pretty good. It was just weird to start off with because what it said to me is we've got the Fatal Five Way for Fastlane coming up in three weeks, and we are going to see every darn variation of this match, and yeah. then some. It's a standard playbook, right? Yeah. But uh-huh. it's a standard playbook with these guys. I mean, like... <laughs> Baron Corbin doesn't really belong in this picture from a talent point of view. Dolph Ziggler does, but they're not making us care about him. And we just saw Sammy, Kevin, and AJ. We've had that to death. And, and Dolph, the oh, big problem right. is he he does he did the big promo last week, and then he loses this week. He's probably not going to win at you know. Honestly, it's probably ninety percent AJ winning unless they throw some big monkey wrench into plan. So. He does this big promo, loses the next week. It's going to not win at Fastlane either. And you're just kind of back to where you were with Dolph. And Corbin's in limbo. It's it's a weird – I know why – I, I can see why they added spice to this match because you couldn't do another three-way, right? I don't yeah. think. But yeah. So you yeah. These guys in. And, again, I think that goes back to, like, what hurts a guy like Ziggler particularly. And it hurts Styles to a point, but overexposure. Man, are these guys – and it's funny. Ziggler went away for a while. And now we're back in the same conundrum. So it, even Styles, like I think Styles matches, at least for me, I'm accustomed to him. I see him every week, every other week. He's so damn good. It's great. But yeah. How can you not take that for granted when you see it every week, every other week? Uh, I always go back to the Styles, James Ellsworth matches. Styles made those fun. I mean, I mean, so fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. So the whole good. thing of Dean messing with AJ, like that was a legitimately great couple weeks a great storyline the ellsworth thing all of it um it feels weird to me now that i'm nostalgic for the fall of 2016 and be like oh my god remember the gold i mean like it's weird to realize that you were in the golden age of smackdown so soon after it ended you know and it's tough because you know you guys mentioned the brand split which was a couple summers ago 
man, NXT has lost that organic buzz. They had mm-hmm. a real buzz that they don't have. And maybe they'd have it if they had Kenny Omega in the box. I'm sure they would. But with Nakamura, with Balor, with Joe, you lost a lot there. And that's not to knock the guys who are there now, but it's it's kind of in a, in a new cycle. So, like, I remember the past couple of years, the takeovers were so hot, Kamania. So I don't know how you fix the SmackDown problem. Do you move somebody? I mean, they had Cena there for a while, right? I don't know what you do. You know what I think it is? Is I think Vince has been very focused on Monday Night Raw, kind of ignored NXT for a long time. Um, you know, there'll be some call-ups here and there. But it, it really built. And I think what happens is someone gets in Vince's ear and is like, oh, no, online people are going crazy for NXT. Online people are going crazy for SmackDown. Oh, well, let's take what's working there. Let's take what he likes the best there and yank it out of there and put it on Raw. You know, it's kind of like the idea that Raw is the flagship show. Raw's got to have the best stuff in the company. So by default, everything else must suffer. Well, I mean, that's the point of NXT is to understood. Take them when they're ready. I think NXT is the problem has always been that the brand is only as, as hot as its top star. It was hottest mm-hmm. when it had Finn on top because uh, he had the most charisma. And then Nakamura, it, it, fans weren't as into Bobby Roode. Um, and, you know, Andrade Cien Almas and, and Aleister Black are just not at that level um, as, you know, Finn and, and Nakamura. And, and they need that. And maybe someone like a Kenny Omega. Again, I think Kenny Omega could get exposed a bit in WWE as far as not his wrestling, but he's going to, you know, he'd probably have to tone that down on the main roster work that WWE style and then also do the scripted promos. And his promos aren't, you know, aren't his, uh, aren't his strong suit. Would you consider bring, bringing a guy like Dillinger? Would either you guys think Dillinger should go down? Does that hurt him? Does that help the product? I mean, he's 37, Ty Dillinger. He's an interesting case, too. Fallen, his, his SmackDown run's been, been very flat. What do you do with oh. a guy like that? Yeah, him, Mike Bennett, um, yeah. you know, Canellis. Uh, they're doing nothing. They're not on TV most weeks. Uh, Mojo, Zach. I mean, it probably would be better to at least go where people react to you. And that's what NXT has lost. Remember, for the first, uh, starting with the, with the Full Sail years, they did a very good job of bringing main roster talent there to have matches with the NXT talent to elevate them. And I think it worked both ways. You mm-hmm. know, it gave them additional exposure. I think they should bring that back. Um, you know, I don't think Ty Dillinger coming back to NXT is going to be a huge draw uh, for fans that are, aren't already a fan of Ty. Right. But I think that they should reestablish that, that two-way pipeline. It, it's almost reminds me of the language would be far different, right? But like yeah. Shane Douglas leaves ECW for greener pastures is Dean Douglas. But man, it wasn't coming. He didn't return as a failure when he went back to ECW. Like you couldn't wait to hear that promo. What did he have to say? So if Dillinger came back and you know cut a cut a promo on the SmackDown brand or something like that, or on Shane McMahon or on Daniel Bryan, I think it would definitely add su- elicit some response, uh, or, you know, reaction to the NXT crowd and audience. It couldn't hurt, right? As yeah. Roger said, some of these guys aren't even on TV every week, week after week after week. So it definitely couldn't hurt. Yeah, well, yeah. Mike Bennett hasn't been on TV this year. I, I think they pl- probably aren't going to use him until Maria is ready to, you know, has the baby and comes back. So, um, yeah, someone's asking how Dolph would do in an NXT. I think it would be hot. It would be different. You know, when we talk, we talk about the TV deal. Oh, I keep thinking, man, if Fox, if Fox, if that were to ever work out where the Raw was on USA and, and SmackDown was on FS1 and Raw cuts down to two hours because of, you know, how it would work on, on Fox. Man, if you get NXT on FS2, and then uh, you know, then you can start moving some of the 
quote unquote, I don't know, bigger stars, but stars that aren't really doing anything but have value to NXT, and it would make sense, and it wouldn't hurt them too much, you know, in the pocketbook. I think like uh, the question about Ziggler, he'd be a great. I mean, how much I'd watch every one of his title defenses in NXT, like if he was he was champion. I think that'd be great. Or if, if Ryder came down, or if I don't know, they were they started their own heel group. There's so many things you could do. I think if you play with bringing guys up and down, I wish they did more of that. Yeah, yeah, you could you could have disgruntled main roster guys who are sick of these NXT guys taking their spots, so they're you know go down to NXT. Whole, I'm leaving the big brand. I'm going to NXT. Kind of what we saw in the '90s. If you can try to recreate it, you know, leaving a WWE or a WCW and going to ECW, and the frustration's real. Like I love Steve Austin. One of my favorite Steve Austin promos is that ladder promo. You know, climbing a ladder with who's in the ring? It's Mikey. It's a Mikey Whipwreck Sandman match, and he just goes off about how frustrated he is. Like, that should be the time when you let these guys or women express their frustration. Because how do we care? It goes back to talking smack. Like, I, I like the Usos so much better after watching them and listening to them being themselves on that show. Like, I cared so much more. I think it's a great opportunity. I think it's a missed opportunity, too. That was, that was the best thing the WWE put on the air most weeks. And then that's when Raw and SmackDown were still pretty good. SmackDown was great. And Talking Smack was still somehow better because it was just the cherry on top of all of it. Yeah, you know, talking to Smack really enhanced SmackDown a lot. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you look at Miz, who knows where he would be if. if oh, yeah. Was, I mean, he, uh, he, he kind of had a lot of breakout moments with that. Well, we might get one final talking smack after Fastlane uh, if they still bother to do it after the last SmackDown only pay per view in three weeks. Though I, I, it's funny. I think we'll see a lot more. Like we saw JDL and the King. They were all right, but I mean that show was Renee and Daniel Bryan. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, right? Exactly. Because Raw Talk wasn't the same when they would do you know the other right. the other guys. So you mentioned the Miz. Owens had some moments in that show too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Jesus and Daniel Bryan last night. Uh, I guess we can talk about it now. His promo with Shane. He looked the despair in his eyes. <laughs> I have only seen he's bored of the storyline refugees <laughs> in third world countries and victims of human trafficking. I've only seen that look in those faces that I saw on Daniel Bryan's face last night. That was, was so sad. It was the bare minimum effort. <laughs> of, yeah, he looked he looked checked out. Of, I think he's sick of this. I think he knows it's going nowhere. And if there's no payoff at mania if there's no tag match like i love the I, I i know it's a throwaway tag in a sense but if you had owens and zane versus mcmahon and, and daniel or brian and you you know shane has to start that match he tags in that play new orleans erupts yeah uh, if he tags in and if not it's a great question what are we doing what are we watching every week where are we going do they split owens and zane does that even make sense are they both heels out of it can you turn Owen, owens face man if, if they don't have brian have it for a payoff it, it's, it's going to be pointless. Yeah. Well, I mean, does yeah. anyone care to see Owens with like Shane in this corner against a Sammy with Daniel Bryan or, or vice versa? No. Um, so yeah, it's completely pointless. And then even you wrote, you wrote last week about how Shane was one of the people considered to be Ronda Rousey's tag partner against triple H and stuff. So that's completely no payoff to all, you know, the last seven months or whatever it's been. Right. And that's a, in, in the modern era. That's an eternity. Seven. Yeah. Months. I mean, I know back in the day it wasn't, but it's a storyline and it's a payoff, or it doesn't even pay off. Um, but man, it it is bad. I mean, if the oh, yeah, man. if the if the ultimate payoff is just Shane firing Daniel Bryan, it's like man, all that investment, is, and that's just what it is. And that's it. Yeah. Yep. 
And uh, but hey, guys, we got a promo last night where Jinder Mahal revealed what Bobby Roode voted for in the Superstar Top Ten list. I was kind of hoping we'd just talk about the top ten today. Oh, Jesus, <laughs> this this is. I mean, to say say something in the WWE does storyline wise is stupid. I feel like <laughs> little cliche, but this is the stupidest thing they've done in quite some time. This angle. It's it's like they went into it with no idea of where to take it. Um, they got all baby faces in this top ten. Like, so is it only baby faces making this list? Because you well, would think no, the heels, heels would, would vote... be voting for the heels, right? No, heels would vote for themselves. I think that's the joke. Is that yeah. every heel filled out with oh, their name in every every position? Sure, yeah. but they haven't done one thing with it as far as a booking decision on you know on screen. Not not a single thing. It's <sighs> just. It's for to to build a Jinder Mahal comedy, which actually that would have been the funnier payoff last night. Instead of showing the list with all the different names and Zack Ryder, it should have just been Bobby Roode, Bobby Roode, Bobby Roode in all ten. That, that would have been, been better. Much, yeah, maybe they can bring it up again next week. Now that the New Day's the, the tag team, the number one contenders, they're above the. I can't believe we're talking about the top ten list. They're above, <laughs> they're above the, the the Usos on the top ten list. So maybe it comes up again next week, but. I, I think that what that feud is missing, right? And maybe, you know, maybe if I were 12 or you guys were, were the same, you know, all kids, we'd have a different opinion. But, and, and again, they have varied audiences of which they need to appeal to. But man, it just lacks any sense of reality. Um, there's so much you can do with Randy Orton. And you're talking about a top 10. Uh, oh, yeah. Manufactured top 10 list. Man, is it frustrating. Yeah, where are they going with, you know, with New Day and Usos? I mean, well, I'm sure that they're probably going to go for a four-way at Mania with New Day, Usos, uh, Bludgeon Brothers. and. You think it makes the card, though? It Probably pre-show is what I would guess. And then Orton, I don't know where he, you know, does he win the U.S. title and go, or does Jinder take the fall? And then it's Orton against uh, Rude at Mania. Even that, that seems like a pre-show match to me, too. And I still think Dolph ends up back in the U.S. title picture. Do you do or do you? Yeah, I don't know. Like you can't do all these multi-man matches. Yeah. I don't know. They, you're right. They do feel like pre-show matches, and Mania, the card itself is is going to fill up pretty quick. So they yeah. are, they've already kind of got nine matches, kind of you know rumored or in the works, or, or likely. You know, you got the cruiserweight finals. Uh, you got the you know AJ and Nakamura, Undertaker and Cena, Brock and Roman. Um, it, the, the Ronda Rousey match, the Oscar, yeah. Oscar's uh, two women's matches, right? Yeah, two women's matches. Yeah, and uh, I'm, I'm forgetting two, but um, maybe. And you're you're doing something with Shane. He's on the main card. Whatever yeah, Shane. Shane he's, he's there. Uh, Angle is somewhere involved. Yeah, it's it's the card doesn't have that many openings. So right. Yeah. Even if it's six hours, it'll just be on the pre-show. Right. Yeah, and it looks like uh, Orton versus Rude is what Shane said was final. For the U.S. title of Fastlane, I'm assuming that gets put into a three-way. Yeah, or else they'll, they'll make that why, into a three-way. Why are they doing this? You know, can we just maybe agree? Like, if everyone on Twitter says, I will buy a piece of Jinder Mahal, Randy Orton, or Bobby Roode merchandise, uh, just keep them off TV for two weeks and give that time to Rusev or more of the women or the fashion files, anything else. Than if you're one Rusev of these last night and you're watching that, what are you thinking? I oh, yeah. TV because of this? Yeah. Yeah. So who is writing this? Is Ryan is Ryan Ward? He's not the lead writer on SmackDown anymore, is he? I don't believe so. I think he's still part of the decision making process, but I don't think he's the lead. 
He hasn't been, yeah, he hasn't been the lead in a while. Um, Road Dog's yeah. been the lead for at least, a, you know, maybe the whole time. Um, calling the shot in, in terms of calling shots, yeah. Yeah. Huh. Uh, what are the ratings now versus a year ago on SmackDown, the TV ratings? They're down a little. Hmm. Uh, not not immensely, though. Well, for that's not, the for thing. how much has been taken YouTube away from it, it's not. Stuff. What's up? YouTube views are up, too, for what that's worth. I think, you know. Their digital marketing, they make so much off that, too. Yeah. Uh, doesn't do much for the USA Network, but. Right. When their TV deals are the ones that are driving the company and not the, the YouTube deals. And it's smart to do it for YouTube, but um, you don't want to do it at the ex- You don't want to make your show so um, mundane that people would rather go watch a 90-second clip on YouTube as opposed right. to sitting there and wanting to watch it live. Especially two hours. You're really working with an advantage. Like a three-hour Raw, that's a tough show. That's just a, three hours of anything. Three hours of pro baseball. Three hours of anything. Yeah. Two-hour SmackDown, when they do it well, it, it's, it flies. Yeah, it goes, it goes fast. Well, and that's the thing. I think the answer in all of this isn't that, oh, you want to stop watching SmackDown because we support the talent. We like the talent. We have people we want to see more of. It's just the creative decisions that are frustrating. And I think um, as a fan, there's no way to – I mean, you see it on social media. You see people tweeting at Road Dog so much now that Road Dog like, goes through daily and announces he's blocking anyone that criticizes him. Um, it's a hot-button issue, you know, but on I social. That, you know, Glenn, a key point here is like what I loved about Raw was – and it could have failed and we would have yeah. criticized it. But I don't think we would have criticized the creativity or the – the chance they took, like that gauntlet match, now, yeah. I loved it. It was great. But say it, say it was flat and failed. At least we could say, you know what? Hey, they tried something different for the first kind of two hours of Raw. They, they highlighted wrestling. They tried to do something different to highlight these guys. They tried to put Seth Rollins over. Maybe it didn't work. Now, it did work. But look at compare that to, like, if they did a gauntlet-type match with those guys on SmackDown, man, it, ha- it would have had to be better than what we saw last night. I yeah. just wish, we usually see that. I, I, I wish we saw a little more creativity. And if they make mistakes, we're still going to watch next week. Let's yeah. try something different, though. Like that's, Raw did it so well this week. It was refreshing. And it speaks to the environment they created after the brand split. That Look, when Jinder, when they gave Jinder a push to start with, we all gave it a chance. And we all liked it. We said, oh, this is really different. This is what a turnaround story. And yeah, he's rough on the mic, but we're going to give it a chance. And then it just kept going and going and going and going and going and going and going. And yeah, yeah. Same finish every time. Yeah. 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 But I think SmackDown should know, and I think, you know, Road Dog or anyone in creative should know that if you're a SmackDown fan, you're in for the long haul, man. Like we've strapped into this. We're committing to this. Try and fail. We'll still support you, but don't keep doing the same thing again and again until we don't care. Because when you don't care, that's when it gets dicey. I agree. Yeah. And uh they're doing they're doing a good job. They're doing a good job, I think, of uh just rehashing this. So we had Charlotte Flair, Naomi, and Becky Lynch, uh, Charlotte and Friends versus the Riot Squad last night. The creativity thing again, you know. It's They do this every week, the multi-person women's match. Imagine if we saw Finn Balor in a six-man tag every week. Like, I think people would, would be furious. But we yeah. see it with the women's. I actually liked the six-man last night. I thought that the it was the way it needed to go. It was a good finish. They needed some kind of heat for the Riot Squad, but yeah, I mean, if we – what are we going to see next week? We see uh, Naomi and uh, Ruby Riot With the other two in the corners. Right. You know? Yeah. So 
I mean, there's a there's a cool story that they could tell with this feud with Ruby Wright and Charlotte, as far as Charlotte wanting Ruby and Ruby, you know, uh, you know, kind of staying away and, and not giving her what she wants and having having making her go through her, you know, her the other Possibly. the other members of the right uh, the right squad. So there, I mean, there's a cool story you could tell. There's a lot of cool ways you could go about it, but just. The way they are, it's just it, creatively, storyline wise, it's it's the bare minimum effort. Yeah. yeah, that's. And again, I think we'd be okay if they tried and failed. Right. It'd be something different, but yeah. And I get that they're keeping Carmella off TV. I'm assuming Mania cash in at this point. I mean, they're not going to waste it at Fastlane, are they? I don't think she's worked into either one. I, I, I th- she's not worked in. From my report, from any, any into either one of those title matches, so it's a good question. But as of right now, she's not part of either women's title matches slated for WrestleMania. Hmm. Yeah, man, uh, it's just so frustrating to see this. It's not about the booking. If they would have given us one other segment last night, and those promos after, did they show those in reverse order? Because it seemed weird that like Ruby and Charlotte, yeah, Charlotte saying, like yeah. I accept your challenge. Yeah, that that did seem backwards. Backwards. Yeah. Yeah. Very odd. Um, we'll see what they do with it next week. Look, I'm but, actually uh, excited for Ruby Wright. Ruby Wright got the win yeah. on on Becky. Uh, on Becky. You think it's the accent, Justin? You think it's uh, backstage? Somebody just doesn't dig her accent, and that's why like we're not pushing her anymore. It would make more sense, wouldn't it? It would at least be a reason. Um, I don't know. That's yeah. a, I don't think it's the accent, but who knows? See, you know, I think it's also just have, they have they can push like w- one person at a time, and it's just not Becky's time right now. I'm also going to go with weird punitive theory uh, because we've heard stories about them, you know, blacklisting people or punishing people. Um, whatever undisclosed medical emergency she had when she was the champion that caused her to make miss backlash in the fall of 2016. Uh I still think this is a long-term revenge play <laughs> holding her back because she missed, you know, had to miss a pay-per-view. It, you know, it's, it's funny that we have to think this way. And this is one of those things where she's so talented. I don't, I can't think of another field where you have someone this talented in your roster and you wouldn't utilize them. You know, they'd leave as a free agent, in another sport in the UFC, they'd make sure they got a fight. There'd be people, people promoting it and fighting for it, man. It's, I, I, I know, like Rash said, it's not her time right now to be champion. Like you're telling me you can't do something with her? I mean, the I'm, most meaningful stuff she's done is what? Uh, the James Ellsworth beatdown? Yeah. Uh, he <laughs> it's, now, maybe yeah. you're building to, to her and Charlotte post-mania, but you could still do something with her now. It, there's no reason you can't have, like you said, more than one, one women's storyline at a time. I think as a fan base, as viewers, we can handle more. We want more. Yeah. Yeah. And especially if you're going to say, you know, we need people to care about a B women's storyline to justify having two, why not use her to elevate somebody else, you know, in a sure. feud? No, there's a lot of, there's a lot of women that, you know, are underused right now. Sasha, you know, Bailey, that, that could easily be in a secondary storyline that it doesn't have to be like you're in the world title picture. You're not used on TV or you're, you're in a multi-person match. Uh, you could have strong secondary storylines, you know, I wonder what like her- meant. I wonder when her contract is up. I wonder if uh, she has any leverage in renegotiating that when it happens. What's the standard? Why? I mean, where where is there really to go? Where do you go, right? And I think, and a good point is look at um, uh, Tennille, um, I can't think of her name. Dashwood. Yeah. yeah. Emma. 
<laughs> yeah, you look at you look at her situation. I think she made the most of it, but man, it's just that that market's dry. There are women's wrestlers and really good ones out there, but nothing of the exposure, right? Like mm. Ring of Honor doesn't even have a women's title yet. They're in the tournament for, to have one, um, but yeah, it's tough to, particularly for women. Where do you go? What do you do? I think Becky could do things outside of uh, the ring. You know, I think she could host somewhere. Um, I think she could go back to acting. Well, who uh, knows if she wants to do that? Yeah, that's so, true. I mean, yeah. it, acting also, is very tough. Yeah. She could also have intergender matches, but not like comedy ones, but ones where she shined. I think that people would, would, would believe that. I think she's so good in the ring. But uh, it's it's interesting that, you know, I even I was even wrestling with the idea of what if they brought Bailey onto SmackDown? Like, mm-hmm. would that freshen up the roster? Because she kind of needs a change of scenery. But in two weeks, would we, would we, or three weeks, would we have seen all the matches anyways? Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I'd like to see and find out, but in three weeks, would they have exhausted all their resources anyway? Would it not matter? I, I don't know. There's got to be a solution, but uh, I don't know. If people, someone's bringing up impact, you know, that's, you know, obviously if you work impact, you're talking about 20 dates a year or something like that, 20, 30 dates. Uh, indies, uh, you know. Yeah, I mean, it, it, there's definitely places you can go, but it's not the same as for, um, as oh, for WrestleMania, right? What, I mean, what do you think she's making a year in the WWE right now? If you had to guess, who knows? Who knows? <clears throat> she's, if I had to guess, I don't know Becky's contract situation, but if I had to guess, she's over, over half a million. Hmm. Not unattainable for her to earn on her own, but she would. It would not be wrestling. That it's where difficult. She would make that money. Yeah, I think yeah, because and unless she got the hot topic deal or got in the Bullet Club, and I don't think they're looking to go that way with adding yeah. you know even talented. But I, I think they'd add Ziggler, but I don't think they'd they'd add a woman necessarily. So I, I just think that in the Bucks to me are the exception, not the norm. Like they they've made money, they figured it out. But and Joey Ryan's another guy, and there's, there's a handful of guys that. But again, they're the ones that that have hustled and hustled and hustled. Um, just because they did it doesn't mean that that you or I could. Yeah, I mean, yeah. look at look at someone like a Jack Swagger. He was world champ in WWE, you know, WWE, really doing nothing on the Indies, and he's he's out there taking dates. So you, it's got to be the right personality. And Cody, you know, like like uh, what Justin said, it's the exception. Well, I don't think that Swagger would if if he came on Impact next week was a live show or semi live show, or I, I don't think that that would turn the needle. And I like Swagger. I think yeah, I don't think. That, yeah, that he's underused. Um, but yeah, I, I don't think he'd make a difference there. Yeah. So, uh, we follow all that up and I do hope Becky maybe gets moved to raw something, especially if raw is going to keep doing, you know, <laughs> right, let's move on past Becky. three to five, uh, three to five <laughs> segments for the women a week. But if, if Charlotte wins, you know, I think she loses the title at, uh, to ask at mania. Somehow they make those two, t- they put those two together. That's the women's match. You have to watch. I think that Jackson Bliss will be a little bit ex- exposed, A, working together, B, compared to, to uh, Flair and, and Asuka. But that has to be the next direction for Charlotte, right? You have to include Becky Lynch. Otherwise, I don't yeah. know. I mean, like, you have to go Lynch-Flair. It's just too much. It's too rich not to. Well, you yeah. have to have people for Asuka, too, you know. True. Maybe those three, yeah. Yeah. I, I hope for your, like you mentioned, Glenn, I, I'm a big Becky Lynch fan, so I'm, I don't think she's in any hot water. I haven't. I'll research that, but I haven't yeah. heard that. 
I just see online the frustration from from people. And granted, you know, I, I'm married to the biggest Becky Lynch fan on earth. It's the whole reason why my wife started watching, you know, five plus hours of wrestling a week was Becky Lynch. If she was in a lower spot than anyone else, then maybe you'd have a point. If she's not being used on TV or like yeah. in a Dana Brooke role, but she's in the same role that pretty much everyone else is in right now. That's yeah. SmackDown's a, like a weird version of purgatory. If you're Ross, sure. like, Ross the same yeah. way. Well, the past couple of weeks, fingers crossed, they're setting the stage for Ronda to really flesh out the division. Um, we'll see if it lasts. But uh, I, oh, ask, you mentioned Rousey. Can I ask yeah. real quick? Yeah. I, I just don't. It's Vegas. So it's a tough crowd. I'm, I'm trying to, you know, rack my brain. I was watching some old Halloween Havocs. Those crowds were red hot. Vegas is kind of an odd crowd, a different crowd. I don't think you know, like, you know, in Philly what to expect. You know, in New York what to expect. Chicago, L.A. to a point. I don't think you know what's going to happen. Does she get booed out of the building on Sunday? I still think there's a, a very strong possibility of more going wrong than right with Rousey on Sunday. I think she gets booed. I don't think it's going to be um, – uh, I don't think it will be – because it's a SmackDown crowd too. They're usually yeah. not as, as – uh, Out for blood, if you will. Right. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Oh, no, 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 no. It's, no, it's a rock, rock, rock crowd. What, rock, what, am I, rock. what am I thinking? Um but you're right. That'll be the turning point. She's gonna get booed. Like I hope they know it's coming. And then what? Can you can you flip it and make it work, or does it just go downhill and and, and crash crash and burn? I think that'll be the turning point. Because I and can, she, and can she handle it? Like if 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 she has a promo, can she get through it? If the fans are booing loudly and or wetting her, you know what I mean? That's she's not <laughs> used to that from her world. And I don't blame her. Right? Like who would be? But she's a megastar. But. Uh, WWE fans, wrestling fans are, 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 you know, pretty hardcore. And if you want to come into this world, you better be ready to handle it. And we'll see if she is. Well, if she's going to face Stephanie in that mixed tag at Mania, I mean, so Ronda's going to be a face coming in. Right. Oh, so for Paul sure. Heyman wouldn't make sense at Mania if, if they're planning, if they're thinking about going that direction, it'd have to be post-Mania for, for Heyman. I think it'll definitely be post-Mania uh, regardless, but. Yeah, I mean, you yeah. would think you 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 would want to get the Stephanie feud out of the way. Stephanie doesn't want Heyman talking smack about her, you know. No. <laughs> so, um, right, right. Well, I'm calling it now. The way they do it organically is they come in. Stephanie and Triple H essentially want to hand her a title shot at Mania. Ronda says, "No, I want to earn it," and then it sets up a rivalry between the two. Um, and I think that'd be, man, that's how you stop the crowd from booing is that you have Rhonda put over the entire roster and say, it wouldn't be fair to Sasha Banks, to Bailey and just start naming all the women. And so, you know, I want to earn my spot here. That's how Rhonda gets the crowd behind her. Does she explain the rumble spot? Like what a weird, I, I believe her <laughs> when she said, I found out 10 minutes ago what I was doing. Hey, it showed, I, I, it, it was just so like out of place, um, the pointing at the mania signs, I think we're past the point where that's meaningful. Like Taker and Triple H did it really well a couple of years ago, but I, I just wonder if she even if they did even discuss the rumble because like what was that? But yeah, we'll see on Sunday. What what if they had her just come out, uh, sign the contract while pointing at the mania sign and leave? <laughs> Standing down, just yeah. Um, man, uh, so. This backstage thing with Kevin, Kevin looked beat up more than they normally show the guys looking beat up on TV. Uh, Sammy saying he wants his help. They're going to work together in the Fatal Five way. And then Sammy said he's going to lay down for Kevin and let him win. 
So I think that'll, a, that'll be a spot in the match, right? Where yeah, Sammy lays for him and then pulls him in a sp- small package or something like that. Maybe. Hope so. I mean, it was it was a we- I thought this was a weird promo, a weird segment. I don't know what they're doing with these two. But after Fastlane, it's only three weeks till Mania. So if they're breaking them up at Fastlane to build a Mania match between the two. And who's the baby face? Though I like the idea that, you know, Zane lays down. Somebody has to break. Corbin has to break it up. Zane lays down. Styles has to break oh, yeah. it up. And then that third time, like you said, Zane pulls him in for the, uh, you know, for the small package or something like that. So there's some kind of buzz. The thing about the WWE wrestlers, they're just so damn talented that like that match will work. I kind of wish that pay-per-view was like two weeks sooner. So we could have five weeks with um, Nakamura styles where we have about three and a half, three weeks of build. But yeah, I think I hopefully next year, um, because now they're switching to to one per month. But if WrestleMania is in April, I still hope they only have one between the Rumble and Mania. Hmm. So I think trying to stack two in, it just it just feels like too much filler. Like they're trying to just get yeah. the minor stuff out of the way to get to the big stuff, and that's what Fastlane feels like. It's or we, we need it, we got to get through this because it, we're committed. But right, uh, you know, then we'll start really yeah, pushing for Mania. I agree. I 100 percent agree. Uh, speaking of Elimination Chamber and Rousey and SmackDown, at least there's like what I love about Raw too is somehow I think we all, if you're a wrestling fan, you know the finish of Sunday's mat, main event. Like Roman Reigns mm-hmm. going over, there's no doubt. But I love the fact that man, at least Raw planted a seed in your mind. Maybe not. Now I, I think he still definitely wins. But I thought that, and I think we're all critical of Raw at times. That was really well done. Then you compare it to last night's SmackDown, and man. Uh, there was no contest this week in terms of creativity and execution that, that raw was, was above and beyond the A show this week. Yeah. I think it's been like that for a while almost. Yeah. Um, it's because the SmackDown has just been running in place for God, for since, since the Shane Kevin Owens thing, since, since that week that uh, Kevin Owens headbutted Vince and they got a little something, it's just been kind of a steady uh, decline. You know, Steady decline, steady, just monotonous. Um, Rehash again. Yeah. Yep. Um, so we'll see, man. Uh, New Day versus Shelton Benjamin and Chad Gable for the number one contender spot in the tag team titles. Now, didn't they just beat him last week clean? Mm. Does that matter? <laughs> yeah. I mean, why would they have a number one contender match when they just beat him last week? I can't remember if it was clean or not, so forgive me. But I don't think Kofi was in the match, though. Excuse me. I don't think uh, Wood was in the match that minute. Maybe they yeah. change partners. It doesn't matter, I guess. It was a <laughs> yeah. good match. But look, it was look, good. Going to have the New Day versus the Usos again, which was a great feud, which had a great resolution. And now they're going right back to it. And they followed this up with the Bludger, Bludgeon Brothers squash. I thought it was going to be the Bludgeon Brothers time versus the Usos. But, I mean, I just get the sense that, that they don't know what they're doing right now with uh, the tag division. There's so much talent there, but they don't know which way to book it. Nah, I think hey. they're clearly going to Usos and Bludgeon Brothers. Well, but yeah. they announced it's going to be New Day versus the Usos at Fastlane. Right. So it's probably Bludgeon, you know, Bludgeon Brothers after that. So this is kind of – you don't want to do the match already when you haven't mm. really gotten it, the feud going. I don't know if they do Usos and Bludgeon Brothers, you know, as a, as a – you know, just a regular tag match or you throw a couple other teams in there so you could fit more people. That's been the problem with WrestleMania lately is now you have so many people and trying to fit them on this, you know, even though six hours is a lot of time, uh, it you end up 
with most of the people in the battle royal, you know. Actually, you know what I think they're going to do now that, that you mentioned that, Raj, is I think, and it's the only end game for the Bludgeon Brothers and the way they've booked them. I think they'll do not just a four way. I think they'll, you know, as many tag teams as they can get. They'll bring out the Fashion Police, the Ascension, all six, and have the Bludgeon Brothers just destroy everybody and stand tall. But I mean, that's that's the end game, right? For how they've built them up. It's not for the Usos to go out there and have a competitive match with them right away. I just wish that my only my only problem with the finish last night, I was hoping that we'd see a different result, only because, well, two things. They're not going to main event the pay-per-view. Like, I would have the Usos in New Day main event that show. They're not going to get a big Mania moment. They're not going to main event Mania. They could main event that show, and people would be thrilled. I mean, I think, mm-hmm. why not? Those guys have, have broken their backs for the company, and they've made they've turned nothing into something, all five of them. Usos a New Day. But I also wish that Gable and Benjamin went over last night and that you could say, I don't mind multi-man matches. I think they serve a purpose. We see far too many of them now. If you want to have a tag team title match be meaningful at Mania, it's got to be two-on-two. And it's got, to me, the best two teams in WWE are the Usos and New Day. Why don't you put those guys together at Mania? That'd be a fun match. The crowd would love it. Give them 15, 20 minutes. That's a Mania, you know, something we remember at WrestleMania that gives us a moment to hold on to. But instead, it's going to be a, you know, a mosh pit with, with uh, four corners of guys. And I don't know. I just think you're missing out on it. It's such a great opportunity. I agree. I think, I think arguably uh, the Usos and New Day were the best thing on SmackDown last year. I think they had the, yeah. the best rivalry. I mean, and you know, that's saying something because you had AJ and Kevin Owens feuding for several months, but I just felt like that never clicked. And I think Usos and New Day clicked better than anyone thought they would. Even they're on the same level and they're a tag team. I think that's harder to do as a tag team. More pieces involved, less reason to care, not highlighted as, high, as highly on the show. But they were right there with Roman and Braun for, for Feud of the Year. Absolutely. Yeah. They were, when they're on TV together, I want to watch. Yeah. Yeah. But, hey, you know, the Bludgeon Brothers came out, squashed enhancement talent again. It's good. You know, yeah, it's, it's what they should be doing. Serving a purpose, yeah. 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 Um, and then AJ Styles versus Baron Corbin. The match you've all been waiting to see again. I feel like we get we get uh, killed anytime we criticize an AJ match. <laughs> well, let's 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 reframe how we're criticizing the match. <laughs> Styles did everything last night. Everything to make that to make that match serviceable. That's not a knock on AJ. Uh, you know, last night was one of those nights, and I like Baron Corbin. I like watching him. His promos are okay, but I thought, man, how do you do something with this guy? Like you can call him Kevin Nash, but. He's not Kevin Nash. I don't know. I thought last night was like I left SmackDown disappointed because if AJ Styles is going to give you that much and that's the result, man, that's that's not good. That's not good for business. Yeah, I, I got bored during this match, and that's hard. You know, that's hard for me during an AJ match because he's it's always so good. But this was it was nothing. Yeah, it's a bad way to end the show. Um... Yeah, yeah, I mean, I think Ziggler and Kevin Owens would have been a, a much stronger way to end the show. That was a much but you, better. I, but match. at the same time, I don't. I hate when you put the WWE champion uh, early you don't on have, the show. Right. But I think you can. I think you can do it right if you if you highlighted it in the middle. There's a way to do it, right? Like I go back to the Raw after uh, Austin wins the belt in '98, and uh, he didn't close that next Raw. He gets arrested and thrown out of the building. They end with DX. To me, it's you can't do it too soon with the world champion. But if you highlight him in the middle, I think you can. I'm the same way though. Like I, I don't like when the champion comes out first. Um, little things like that. Yeah, Joe, uh, for sure. 
but um, I think if you if you highlight it, really highlight it in the middle, just so, to make sure you're highlighting a tag division or the women's division at the end, I think it still still works. It's a fine line, though. You're right. Yeah. And then after the mixed match challenge, Bobby Roode, Charlotte Flair versus Nia Jax and Apollo. Yeah, that was fun. You know, it ended the way I thought it was going to end with uh, Roode and Charlotte winning. Yeah, Roode, Roode pinning Apollo. Yeah, and then yeah, uh, I mean, it was it was fine. It was like a you know it was like a live event match, but I thought Nia with the I can't deal with you thing with the Titus Worldwide. I thought that was great. Uh, I thought it was weird that they had uh, Apollo bending down to trip Titus in advance of uh, potentially a title match at Elimination Chamber on Sunday. There's no continuity with the mixed match challenge with the, the rest of the what they're doing. I wonder if Facebook cares about that, but the problem is too. If you're putting on, you know, legit content, I think if you're the USA Network, you'd be upset. Why? Why are we investing so much resources into your product when you're when you're putting it on Facebook? Um, so it's it's a fine line, but uh, yeah, I mean, I wonder how they finish this because there there is no continuity. Yeah, and it ends this month, right? Or it ends in March? I mean, yeah. um, so right before Mania, yeah, yeah. So yeah, and, uh, this was this was nothing. I mean, this oh, this this tournament's been nothing. Um, they did announce last night. I think the first time that I heard it, at least, that the the losing team gets ten thousand dollars for their charity each week. I thought that was they've said that before. <clears throat> so that's confirmed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, even though I really hope they're really giving a hundred grand to all the charities. Oh, I think that's yeah. weird to script one charity to to get a hundred grand and the rest to get ten. It's so odd. Yeah, that they. Yeah. That was the first thing when they announced the charities. It's like, well, only one in theory is going to win. Yeah, I don't know. Unless they had a story behind it, but yeah, I, yeah. I mean, they're getting something, but still, it's just, it's just got to ring wrong to be like, wow, that's we're we're doing this thing and we're going to donate ten thousand to you, but the rest, you know, the like hundred grand goes to ours, you know, goes to Connor's cure. Just but like even to say doing. the winning team chooses, you know, in that case, it's like, well, you didn't have all these possibilities i i would have preferred it that way it's like let them pick let them cut a promo why they chose that charity and then you're not you don't have this whole list of come because it's all scripted it just it's a strange way to handle it for sure yeah. and the charity weird. part no one cares about either why not why not just make a, a mixed ta- title a mixed tag title and then down the road you know you got to defend it later you know and yep. when we do this again you got to defend it and you know just something where even if the title's gone after the tournament's over at least you had a reason to to kind of yep. really care yeah great point and, I, you know, it's funny that they haven't done vignettes for all the charities. I mean, they had Becky and Sammy for UNICEF. They've had a couple that highlighted them. But this whole thing just seems very well, I know, thrown together. It's run out of time. I mean, I feel like last last night it peaked with like 77,000 live viewers. Yeah. The week before was 72. Um, you know, the average viewership is two minutes. So that means people that do watch 20 minutes, that's 10, you know, what is that? That's 19 other people that need to watch for a minute to get to that two minute <laughs> average. Um, I think they're looking at cumulative views for that would be my, would be my perspective. They're not, you know, it's nice to have the the flashy numbers per week, but I think that when they look at that, it's going to be the overall, you know, number cumulatively. Uh, that's my take from the Facebook experiment. Yeah. But the, the problem with cumulative is that so many, so many of those views mean nothing. You, when you're on Facebook, videos are popping up and they're playing without sound. And so, well, that's why we need text over everything. <laughs> yeah. Well, I still wonder like if Facebook wants to create their own network, 
it's still smart. Like this is a great way to for them to win. It's it's easy exposure for WWE. Um, and I I think I criticize WWE all the time. They're always behind the trends. Always behind the trends. You know, you think of tout, you think of different social media experiments. Experiments. Um, like remember how they got on Twitter, or social media after the Punk thing. It just didn't work. It was so forced. They did. They're kind of ahead of the curve here with Facebook. Whatever they're planning, I think it's it's smart to. You know they're they're on the cutting edge with this experiment. Yeah, yeah. And then two hundred five live. You guys said it was a good one last night. I, so it started off, okay, you know, fine. Uh, Buddy Murphy made his debut. Um, Showed a lot of potential. Yeah, yeah. I, I did. <laughs> My biggest complaint was his those shorts he was wearing. Those looked uh, those looked awful. <laughs> but uh, he looked good. Um, and so I, I thought that you know that was a good match. Uh, and then uh, we had Mustafa Ali against Jack Gallagher, and I thought that was just—I um, thought that was uh, really, really good. If that match was on Raw, would the crowd? And I get that—you know, having been to live shows and you're watching the mixed match challenge, mixed match challenge. So I get the fact that it's late, right? So it's not that those fans weren't disrespectful per se. It was—you know—it's a long night. It's—it's it's an audience that has a lot of kids too, and it's—you're pushing eleven o'clock. So I get it. But if that match was on Raw on Monday, and they gave them the 16, 18 minutes. Does that elicit a pop? If that opens Raw on Monday, does that elicit a pop from the crowd? I don't know. Mm. It was such a good match, I'd hope. But I wonder if they opened that match on Raw, what the response would have been. Yeah, I just think the fans are so um, so programmed now to not care. And they haven't even showcased the Cruiserweights on Raw in a while uh, yeah. since Triple H kind of took it took it over, which, which might be a good thing because I think the Raw crowd's almost kind of make it look like a dead division, but yeah, having it after SmackDown just seems like it's, it's, it's just a death nail. Cause you had, you know, the, like I said, buddy Murphy and Arya Davari was good. Um, it, it was, it, it wasn't great, but it was good. Uh, and then uh, this, this match with Ali and, and Gallagher, the, the one thing, so my criticism with raw last Monday was some with the wrestling heavy shows and when the wrestling isn't good all the way through, like I thought an hour of the wrestling was good on raw an hour was average to below average. And then the rest was, you know, kind of like that final hour. And, and the problem is when, even when you have good matches on raw, they have that same formula. So you kind of know when it's coming, what's going to happen when the comeback starts. This match was so different from what you see on raw and SmackDown. It was it really did tell a different story that you're not used to seeing. And so it was just so different. I, I really liked it. It was, it reminded me of like a new, you know, uh, a, a match in NXT or something where they don't have the same shackles. I wonder if you, I, I still think you're not you, but I think that the company is underestimating, underestimating wrestling fans. If you started the show or hour, an hour earlier, the fans are fresh. Maybe it would be a sign of defeat or resignation. But if you started the two five show before SmackDown, cut it to 40 minutes did what you had to do make sure smackdown starts on time but man i think the crowd's hot wrestling fans are nothing if not devoted right i I think that Mm -hmm. you'd get a lot more out of that crowd before you could still air it afterward but i think they're better off and the crowd would probably be thin but you're only showing around the ring anyways you're not showing them up up top you know the nosebleeds i don't know i there's i hope like you said triple h makes an impact there they change things because the product is really good so what will that mean long term? Yeah. Yeah. And I agree. Either opening it or do a separate taping with, uh, with NXT. Because I think this this crowd at Full sale. I mean, the, you know, this show at Full sale would have been uh, a huge hit. 
I think it, it was it would have been hot, but in this crowd, you could hear individual chants. You know, and you, know what, yeah. you know what they do. I mean, they probably would never do this for insurance reasons, uh, but what they do before or after. You know, let the fans that are there come down and stand around the ring. Oh no, But the look of that would be incredible if you had oh, yeah. like a passionate crowd of people surround. Because that's all that matters is what you maybe see. Maybe you on could TV. do it. Maybe you could do it at full sale though. Like ideas yeah. like that. If you had like, well, why don't we have one offs? Why don't we yeah. have like little King of the Ring type tournaments like they had in the eighties for the main roster? It wasn't the, main, the only roster back then. But like, why don't we do different things with that roster to say, hey? These guys are really good. You should care about them. Like, we can't just throw on 205 Live on Tuesdays at 10 and be like, oh, or 1020 and be like, this matters. Like, give us reasons. A King of the Ring in that tournament would be so much fun out of a tournament now, but things like that or, a gaunt, you know, gauntlet-type matches or something different would be so much fun. I don't know. There's got to be something they can do. Yeah. Well, and, they did. I, and I like what they're doing the last few weeks. I like that yeah. they're doing the weigh-ins and things like that and trying to give it a different, a different feel and, uh, and a less, less comedic feel. They're not doing the, the campy comedy that they're doing, you know, uh, that they had been doing. And so it's a big improvement. The crowd noise is a big factor, though, because a crowd can make such a huge difference. Oh, you know? night and day. And it's, it's my biggest issue with, like, other promotions. If I want to watch Raw... I'm not going to watch Impact. I'm going to watch Raw. Like, I don't want to watch – I want to watch Impact do their show their way. And you're right, though. When you get a hot crowd, man, you come a lot. Like, as a, as a yeah. viewer on your couch. So – and that's something you cannot fake. You cannot force. You cannot pay people to do. It's there. It's not. So, yeah. And I think if you move the show that hour earlier, you'd get a hotter crowd. Yeah. And they did a dark match before it. SmackDown. They did Rusev, uh, Rusev Day, Rusev and Aiden versus the new or versus the Usos rather before SmackDown went on the air. Couldn't couldn't make the cut for, for the live show for that one. You think they're trying to kill the whole Rusev thing? I don't I, it's one of those things where WWE is so fascinating when they get thrown a curveball. Like they didn't expect this. There's I thought the rude Rusev match on SmackDown would be a double turn. That would have made sense. Yeah. There's no plans for that, clearly. Like, I, I don't know. I, it's a good problem to have, but it'll be interesting to watch. I know they deny this. Do they cool guys down? Well, let's watch how they treat the Rusev thing. You've got a guy whose popularity is surging. What do you do with them? Keeping him off TV to me seems seems backwards. But if you want to continue to draw interest in the guy, I guess it makes sense. I don't know. He's one of the more... I just don't even see a spot for him at Mania. To me, he's in the Andre the Giant Battle Royal. If he wins it, maybe you can turn something into it. But uh, I, th- it doesn't seem as any anything concrete for Rusev. All I'm saying is, it's uh, 2018. The- I bought a I bought a calendar, a paper calendar in the year 2018, and they sold out of the first run. They had to order more, selling like crazy. When's the last time you bought a calendar? Uh, maybe 1989. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we, we we buy some for our daughters, but that's about it. Um, yeah, I, I just think uh, I think they almost don't they they want Rusev back as the heel, and are, they don't really want the the Rusev Day chance. I mean, they you know they have him lose when he's on, or or he's he's not looking especially dominant or anything. Uh, they're not doing the things you would do when you push a hot act, and and that character evolved from that you know foreign heel who peaked at Mania against John Cena for sure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Went through some ebbs and flows, went through some bad booking, went through some kind of dry storylines. And here he is reinventing himself, re-evolving. Like, if you're WWE, what more could you want out of a talent? This is it. But if it's not a guy that had slated in a particular role for success, 
Uh, we're gonna that that to me is one of the most interesting storylines. Probably Brian's number one, but in that top three, four, five is definitely Rusev as well. Yeah, you've seen a lot of times when things start catching on and Cesaro section and things like that, and instead of really going with it, they uh, kill it dead. Even Zack Ryder's a good example of that yeah. too. I mean, they they went out of their way to make him look like a, a chump, a buffoon. Cena <laughs> yeah. made out with the yeah, absolutely the whole Kane thing. Eve Torres, and... maybe Ryder wouldn't have been world champion, but man, he like he showed at Mania in that ladder match with a kind of a cold build. He can still be something. Yeah, it's so strange. Now, let me ask you this real quick. We talked about this last week. Um, but do you think that fans are into Rusev himself, or is it just the Rusev Day thing, and they, they find it fun and, and cute, and so they're into that, and not necessarily the person? And WWE sees that, and they don't want just you know the fluffy, the fluffy chants that don't really mean anything, um, as opposed to uh, when a, a fan is really behind a wrestler. That's a great question, because I think that, obviously, they, they – Definitely thought that, and they, they rewrote history, but that they thought the Fandango chants were the, the yes chants, right? They thought it was the same. <laughs> it was the chant, not the guy. With Fandango, it was, and it's not a knock on him because he's at a, he, he's still working and uh, he's had a, you know, okay career with, with the main roster. But Daniel Bryan, it was the guy. Right. In my opinion, we know him well enough. We've seen him work with Lana, uh, the marriage, their the the SummerSlam thing with Ziggler, like he's been through so many ups and downs um, and he showed so much personality. I thought there was a great moment in that feud with uh, when Ziggler was with Lana and he would make out with uh, Summer Rae <laughs> and he would open his eyes at Lana as he made out with like, he's so funny. I, the mm-hmm. crowd, it's genuine. The, it's not the fact that Rusev Day is fun or funny, even though it, it's both. But man, we people love Rusev. Like, I, I don't want to know why they... You've got a hot act. It's it's to me it's Lynn Sanity in the NBA. You don't bench a guy when he's scoring twenty points and dishing out thirteen assists. You run with him. You run with him. You run with him. You run with him. You run with him until you can't run with him anymore. I just don't get why they wouldn't have done that or aren't doing that with Rusev. And that interview with uh, ESPN, that interview yeah. with ESPN that just dropped talks about working a fast food job, aspiring to be a wrestler. Just such a baby faced way they could turn this story. Um, although I, I worry his tweet last night. His photo with Lana that he posted, in case you missed us the past two weeks on SmackDown Live, here we are. Your chants are duly noted, duly in quotes in all caps, mocking what Shane uh, said a couple weeks ago when the fans were chanting for him. I mean, he has to feel like he's being held back, right? Well, how often do you get that where the crowd is like going crazy for you regardless? And now I I don't think it's fully Rusev yet. I think it could be because he does have that charisma. We've talked about this for years that he's really funny and, and as a character, he could really get over. And I think this would be the launching pad for that, where you could start really showing his personality. So it's gotta be frustrating when you, when you got something that's, that's catching on the fans are into it and you're not being used. So you're not given that opportunity to go out and do something with it. You can only go so far on Twitter and and social media. This is what you've worked for. Like to get this response and you know, how many guys actually get it right. Very few. Yeah, He's got it. And now you have nothing for him. He reminds me for years. And with the breakup too on, on, on camera, I just see so much of, and they're very different. They, they sound different. They look different. They work different, but man, he reminds me of Randy Savage and it's, it's, charisma he's got so much charisma um he could you could have a like i wish they broke him and lana up in a, in a traumatic thing or something where like you have a big big get together i know it's different now because we know they're married but 
I don't know. There's so many things to do with him. And with, with a dry product on SmackDown, maybe people, maybe the writers, maybe the Road Dog, maybe Vince doesn't want to hear, Michael Hayes doesn't want to hear the fact that the show is weak up top. And is that an indictment on Styles? I don't think so. It's, it's the storyline around him. But you've got Rusev. You get one of the hottest acts in the world. Run with it. So, yeah, yep. definitely another source of frustration on SmackDown. Yep. The list grows. Some people, <laughs> real quick, we'll, let's take one question here. People are asking about Samoa Joe. Uh, obviously, wasn't on the WrestleMania card last year. Um, and really, it's, yeah, he's being booked after WrestleMania. I don't know. Um, it looks like if, if he's not back, you know, by Monday... You know, with with so few spots open at WrestleMania, will he find his way onto the card? Uh, it's uh, Samoa think... Joe in Samoa Joe in 2018. Unfortunately, is Finn Balor in 2017 a guy who's healthy, ready to work Mania, but they don't have a story for him. And the, the company's probably better off. We're not as as viewers, but the company's probably better off having him not on that Raw the night after uh, Mania. And having another big moment, but yeah, it's too bad because it looked like they had really big plans. Um, yeah, it's, yeah, it's too bad. the timing's inopportune. Yes, yeah, it's really too bad because two years in a row, he hasn't, he, yeah. you know, he hasn't had a been on a WrestleMania card yet. So it's not uh, that he's a kid either; he's not twenty nine. So. Right? Yeah, yeah. And the injuries are, are piling up. So, um, yeah, we'll see. Yep, Elimination Chamber Sunday, Ronda Rousey. Men's Elimination Chamber match, Women's Elimination Chamber match, Nia Jax versus Asuka, and we're assuming maybe the Bar versus Titus Worldwide. No, that was, that was made official. Oh, it, it was. Yeah. Yeah. And Hopefully, thank goodness, too. I would like to see them win. <laughs> I think they need to do something with the Bar uh, to change up their role. Uh, it's amazing how much they've run that into the ground in seeing them every week on TV wrestling. Yeah, people are asking about Big Cass too. He's, I guess, he's been at the Performance Center, but um, it looks like it's still going to be a little bit for him. So, he, you know, all these guys, Jeff Hardy, um, they're not going to be back probably, at, you know, by Mania. If if they were, I think you'd start seeing, at least by this Monday, you, you'd start seeing um, them being used on TV to start building. I thought the Jeff Hardy thing. If they had plans for Hardy at Mania, to me, that would have started at Raw twenty five. Like you had a great opportunity to in a non-contact spot to do something with them. But I think that we touched on this, what, 20 minutes ago, 30 minutes ago, that mania card, man, it's, it's full pretty much. Yeah. Right. I mean, there's just no spots. So I think for those guys who were, who were on the IR, it's going to be very hard to convince anyone. Otherwise that I don't even think they have a spot for Rusev right now. So it's, yeah. it's tough that you want to bring back. And I love Samoa Joe and Jeff Hardy. Um, Maybe you put him in the, the Andre Battle Royal, but I, I, they're, they're more likely to be on Raw the next night. What if you did? I know people talked about this last year, but what if you made Mania two nights? They probably should the way the way it's trending, right? Yeah, because you'd have bigger matches by not having all these multi-person matches, and you could easily fulfill two nights. You know, yeah. two two four-hour events, uh, and you could problem. have like double main events in the sense that like the women could close out Saturday. The men could close out Sunday. A tag team could do this. You'd have so much more flexibility. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's something to consider. I'm sure they're sure they're discussing it. Yeah. yeah, but where does who gets the who gets bumped to Thursday? Hall of Fame or Takeover? That doesn't matter. It's going to sell out regardless. I think it's the thing. Yeah. Well, yeah, well they, they do Takeover. Uh, yeah, I, I guess it. Yeah, it doesn't really matter. 
Well, the thing that I think they're realizing more and more now that they're doing SmackDown in the same city as well is that this is be this has become like Comic Con. I mean, it's beyond like Coachella, a two day festival. I mean, you know, my wife and I are talking if it's in New York next year, which it looks like it's going to be. You know, why not go for a week? And you go for all the associated stuff, all the other promotions. You go for access. You go yeah. Hall of Fame, NXT, stay through Tuesday to go to SmackDown. So, yeah, I think doing Mania over two days, not an issue at this point for the hardcore fans. But I don't think they're going to sell out another 100,000-seat venue, splitting it up over two nights. You'd have to probably do where you, you could buy both nights for – and it's only a little more expensive than the individual tickets, you know? Yeah. And you could do something like if you did it in New York, I mean – you have extra venues, right? Like you have the Barclays. They're, I'm sure, chomping at the bit to get back at MSG. There's got to be, like, that'd be a cool, M- the Saturday MSG mania would be, you know, things like that you could have fun with. And, <laughs> so. and just for fun, let's wrangle all the Smarks in the Manhattan Center at $500 a head. You know? Maybe charge six or seven, though, if you're, <laughs> while you're at it, you know? Give yeah. them a couple yeah. matches. Yeah. yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> um... Don't take her at him. <laughs> <laughs> Is Taker coming back? Is that happening for Mania? We're gonna find out Monday, right? I think it's pretty obvious. He's trained. He's been training. He's he's coming back. Yeah. And I honestly, I know people are criticizing it. I can't wait. Like to me, if you he he can only work two matches, a three, I guess, Rain, Cena, or Styles, and you're gonna give him Styles. Uh, excuse me, Cena. That's a great match. Like John Cena will make that work. I think it means too much to John. John has too much respect for Taker. I can't wait. I think it's gonna be, and Taker's got something to prove. I like the moment against Roman. The match had a lot left to desire. So I'm excited for that match. I hope that uh, I can't wait for the build. I can't wait for the, the actual execution of it. I guarantee you, too, that um, the day of the event and after on the website everywhere, that match is going to have the most interest yeah. of anything on the show. And that and that includes Styles and Nakamura. I think I don't think Styles and Nakamura, as far as interest goes, will probably be three or four um, overall. You know, I think the... The hardcore wrestling fans, that's probably number that's one. It's not to say I'm not glad it's there because, like, right. Mania should be a, a you know a, a a dinner table with with many options, like a buffet. Yeah, and that that should definitely be a dish. So I'm thrilled they're finally going to get their moment together. And what they do with it, they do with it. But I agree. What are we talking about on Monday morning? Probably Cena Taker. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, that's the reason Elimination Chamber. Looking forward to that on Sunday, but really looking forward for Monday. And being full on in WrestleMania season with Raw, I feel like uh, they've held back in favor of Elimination Chamber. So, yeah. should be good. Yeah. All right. Well, yeah. Uh, Justin, uh, anything you want to plug before we wrap it up here? The Weekend Wrestling posted today. We open with an interview with Cesaro where he does talk about, you know, it was a little bit tricky on the phone with him, but he did finally talk about because he wanted to focus on his tag team success with Cesaro, with Sheamus. And I respect that. But, I think that it'd be disingenuous for me as a reporter and a writer. You know, people want to see Cesaro. There's a large section of fans who want to see Cesaro as world champion. So he did, and he he opened up and he said, you know what? I wouldn't want to be doing, you know, I shouldn't be in this business if I didn't want to be WWE champion. And he Mm -hmm. touched on that, that to him, it'll be more meaningful because man, like he's finally, when he, if, if, and when he gets that moment, he knows he's worked for it and it didn't come easy. There's a fun little spot in that interview where he talks about how he does the sharpshooter like Tyson Kidd uh, and Owen Hart and not like Brett and Natty. Uh, there's, you, know, you, you, try, you try to get something for everybody in the column. Hacksaw Jim Duggan's in there. Jerry Thornton from Barstool Sports breaks down the, 
the unlikelihood of Rob Gronkowski leaving the Patriots, going to WWE. Uh, there's more on Dolph Ziggler. There's a little bit on Jeff Jarrett. And we touch on Joey Ryan uh, buying a half a million dollar house in Los Angeles with his wife. And they're two independent wrestlers. So so good for them for doing it, you know, through indie wrestling. And um, that that just was released today. That's SI.com, Justin Barrasso, The Week in Wrestling. Anybody who reads, thank you very much for, for giving your time. And to me, the Internet's the the wild west you can read anything about anything anytime you want so if you're if you're checking it out i appreciate it i check it out every week man it's great stuff yeah we just need to get to the bottom now of what's ryan ward's role uh who's actually running smackdown and uh the question just road dog is running smackdown yeah i know <laughs> creatively why well, i love to road dog is your statement but justin you know what i haven't seen covered anywhere we've asked other guests uh sure. on this podcast aside from stephanie mcmahon are there any female writers on the creative staff great question i will I will do my best. If not next week, you might have to give me two because it's funny how information trickles down in WWE. I'll do my, that's actually a fascinating question. I will make it a point to research and, uh, and have a note in the next week or two on that for you. Yeah. I just want them to walk their own talk, man. They make it seem like they've done more for female equality than any other company with this women's evolution and uh, really want to see them follow through on that promise. And I don't believe that they they you know champion the the company is sixty forty the breakdown yeah. ratio men, male to female man I can't and I've been a fan for thirty years I just I've never gone to a show a WWE show ever and been like wow it's 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 sixty forty it's eighty eighty twenty if you said seventy five twenty five I I might believe that um, but it's yeah. it's a male dominated business for sure I will ask that I will ask that question to to a multitude of people a fascinating question thank you. Fantastic, man. Raj, what should people look for on Wrestling Inc.? Oh, so right after this, for people on the audio podcast, uh, it's my interview with Molly Holly that I did with her recently. She talks about uh, getting into business. Uh, Randy Savage, how how much Randy Savage helped her uh, throughout her career, if she kept in touch with him after he left WCW and kind of, you know, went quiet. Uh, Her favorite WWE match, uh, how she got started with WWE, all all sorts of stuff. So uh, really cool stuff for you. So people on the audio version, it's coming on right after this, and it'll be available on YouTube later today. And she looked great at the Rumble. She looked awesome. Yeah, yeah, she was she was fantastic. She lied to me. She said she wasn't in the Rumble. (laughs) (laughs) This was this interview was done a few days before the Rumble, so stuff that's no longer time relevant is is not in the interview. So there's a couple spots that might be a little choppy. So, but you're telling me you can't find a time room for a Molly Holly Becky Lynch feud? I'm sorry, that would be that would be worth it. I don't know. I mean, I don't know why they can't. Yeah, I, well, yeah. I don't know. I don't know if Molly Holly wants to go back full time. Yeah, but you know. Yep. Cool guys. Well, we'll be back here Sunday night after Elimination Chamber. Myself, Mr. Raj Geary, Mr. Matt Morgan, knock on wood. Yeah, and uh, cool. Matt will be here and we'll talk all about Elimination Chamber and what happens with Ronda Rousey. Uh, yeah, and the build to WrestleMania. So, everyone, until next time, I'm Glenn Rubenstein. You can find me on Twitter at Glenn Rubenstein. And we'll see you back here on the Wrestling Inc. podcast. Take care. It's a WrestlingInc.com exclusive. I'm here with Nora Greenwald, formerly known as Molly Holly in WWE. Uh, uh, Nora, how are you doing this morning? I'm doing good, thank you. Good. Now you've been involved with the wrestling business for for a long time. You you got your you started in 1997. Is that right? Yeah, that sounds about right. So. Wow, is that like 20, over 20 years? 
crazy. Yeah, wow, that, yeah, it's been a long time. <laughs> that's the same year I started the website, so it's. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah. So how how did you how did you get involved? I mean, what what made you want to get into wrestling? Um. Well, really, somebody just invited me. I wasn't really a wrestling fan. He just said, hey, we have a pro wrestling school. There's just one girl at the school. She doesn't have anyone to train with. You look athletic. Why don't you come check it out? And um, I really just went out of curiosity. Um, I'm always open to meeting new people and new adventures. And and uh, so when I went to the pro wrestling school to check it out, I was like, oh, I think I could probably pull this off. Um, and so I really was just doing it, like, as a hobby. No aspirations of ever, like, being on television or doing it for a living or anything. But... Um, but yeah, so really it just all started with a simple invitation from someone. And so obviously you must have taken to it pretty quickly because you were in WCW not too long after that. Yeah, um, I, I think with my gymnastics background, um, just like the moves came pretty easy for me. Um, it was years, it took me years to get like with the stage presence and like all the other aspects of it. But as far as just like, learning a technical maneuver i picked that up pretty quick so yeah the opportunities for me to to perform and plus there weren't a ton of girl wrestlers at the time that i started and so there was just more um as it was becoming more popular it just worked out that it's like oh you guys need girl wrestlers and i happen to know a few moves so okay you don't count me in so Nice. So, uh, how were you approached by WCW? What was uh, did they did they give you an idea or tell you that you were going to be paired with Randy Savage? Um, no, actually, um, it was Randy Savage's idea um, to bring me on TV, and he let Eric Bischoff know that I was going to be part of his entourage on television the same day that I debuted. So, um, the way that it happened is that uh, Macho Man had hired me to teach his girlfriend Stephanie. Um, how to do some wrestling moves, and Stephanie and I kind of hit it off and became friends, and Stephanie said to Macho Man, like, gosh, this girl Nora is like, knows all these moves, and she's not even on TV or anything. <clears throat> do you think that maybe she could be a part of our group, um, like on, on television? And Randy said, yeah, that sounds great, and so uh, Randy had Stephanie's um, seamstress make me a sparkly outfit, and Stephanie taught me how to rub on fake tan and dye my hair platinum blonde and he brought me backstage at wcw and he's like told eric bischoff hey i'm bringing this girl on tv with me too tonight <laughs> <laughs> so that was it it was like I, I wasn't under contract then or anything it's just that randy just said okay you're part of my deal and uh and then eventually you know that i did get a contract but it was just kind of cool that um that randy just had the the power, I guess, to do what he wanted on TV, and he wanted me to be part of his his group, and so that was really flattering and awesome. Yeah, I, I became a wrestling fan in the '80s, and Macho Man Randy Savage, still my all-time favorite wrestler. You never you never meet someone and think like, oh wow, that guy reminds me of Randy Savage. He was so his character was so unique. Um, it's true. Yep. How was it working with him backstage? Um, he's super intense. I mean, I owe so much to him because he believed in me enough to, you know, really give me my shot at, you know, being a, a full-time career wrestler. So I, I owe a lot to him. But he's the kind of guy that doesn't need a lot of sleep, and he's very driven and um, very goal-oriented and, and has really high expectations. And so his, his off-screen persona is still very intense, um, which really just helped me kind of push myself to the limits and do things that maybe I didn't think I could before. Um, but yeah, he's, 
he was always very kind to me, um, but also very driven. Yeah. When he left WCW, he kind of he kind of fell off. He did, he did he had the role in the Spider Man movie, um, but other than that, mm-hmm. you didn't really see him. Uh, did, did you keep in Did you keep in touch with them after he left? Not not really. Like we didn't have a ton in common, like outside of the ring. You know, like that was when we were together. Um, that was the main focus was the performance on the show, but outside of outside of work, like we had different hobbies and different interests and and we're different ages. And, you know, so I, I would say I ran into him a couple times around Tampa, um, after he left wrestling, but, but no, we didn't really like hang out or anything like that. Yeah. Now, when you were in WCW, um, and a women's division was, was starting to, to get going. Um, did, they never had a, a women's division before that, right? Like, I don't think Medusa ever, did she ever wrestle in WCW or was she just a, a wrestler? I mean, uh, um, I think Medusa wrestled some Japanese girls in WCW, but I don't know if there was an actual division or if it was just like the Saturday. Right. I, I actually do not know because I was not a wrestling fan before I was a wrestler. And so I'm not 100% sure what all happened before I got to WCW. Um, but when I started in WCW and Macho Man left, um, Jimmy Hart and Terry Taylor were kind of booking the Saturday program. And so I got to um, take a few of my friends that I wrestled with on the Indies and bring them on to the Saturday TV tapings at Orlando. They were uh, Universal Studios had like a studio set, I guess, where we would have the ring and then uh, people who paid to get into Disney would come watch the shows. And so I did some non, it wasn't like women's wrestling division, but I did get to have women's singles matches in WCW, but Medusa was not there at that time. Gotcha. And you would wrestle in a, a blue dress and, and barefoot. Was that, was that tough at all? Um, no. So the way that I saw it is um, in gymnastics, um, you're barefoot. Like some gymnasts wear like shoes, but on my team, pretty much everybody was barefoot when they would do their floor routine or beam routine or vaulting or whatever. And I kind of saw pro wrestling like a gymnastics floor routine, except that instead of landing on your feet, you're landing on your back. And so to me, it was just like gymnastics. So to be barefoot was no big deal. Um, and then as far as the blue dress, I just had it be kind of leotard material. Um, and then, uh, yeah, so that's just kind of how I transferred it. I said, okay, I just need something stretchy that I can do these moves in. And, um, yeah, so I guess I kind of came up with it based on like a gymnastics yeah. Uh, floor routine type of idea. Yeah. So yeah, and during that time in WCW, wrestling was wrestling was going crazy. I mean, it was you know uh, you had WWF versus WCW. It was at all time mm-hmm. you know super popular. Um, but there was also a lot of management changes going on in WCW, and and I don't think anyone would have predicted in '98 or you know that it would be out of business in two years. Um, right. What were you, could you feel it like you're coming in, you're new. Could you, could you feel the chaos or do you think that's just how, maybe that's how the wrestling business was? Well, I was really protected being under Macho Man's wing. Like we weren't, I was not a part of any type of politics or drama or stress of any kind. It was like Macho Man, we'd show up like right before the show and he would give us our own dressing room and then he would tell us what we're doing on the show and then we would leave. So whatever kind of stuff was happening 
politically or um, within the management. Like I, it had, I felt like I had nothing to do with it. Um, I was just enjoying being on TV on Monday nights. Um, and then when Macho Man left, um, it became more apparent because I, no, I was no longer under his protection. And so I got bounced around a little bit with um, going to the power plant and, um, and then being around a lot of disgruntled employees. But even though everybody was disgruntled, I thought, man, I just came from a world where I made $4.25 an hour. <laughs> like, I, I'm not going to complain about whatever is happening because this is way better than, than what I was doing before. So I don't know. I, I would say it didn't, didn't really, like, affect me too negatively. I, I had no idea that the company was going to fold, um, but thankfully I got picked up by the WWE or it was WWF then before the company folded. So I already felt pretty secure in my career moving over to work for Vince McMahon. Right. And, and how did they contact you? Um, the WWE? Yeah. Um, well, they didn't contact me. I guess I contacted them. I got mm-hmm. – uh, uh, J.J. Dillon called me and said that they were not going to issue the second year of my contract at WCW. And so um, I called Dean Malenko, who is like a mentor and friend of mine, and um, said, hey, I'm getting released from WCW. How do I get in with WWF? And he said, um, we'll come to the show, and I'll get you backstage, and you can meet with Jim Ross. And so the show was actually in Atlanta, and um, WCW had already purchased me a plane ticket to Atlanta because I was at the power plant on and off. And so I just used the plane ticket that Ted Turner bought me to go backstage to the WWF. And, um, and I, uh, Dean Malenko brought me backstage, and I met with Jim Ross. And uh, Dean had given Jim the heads up, like, hey, Nora is leaving WCW. You want to, I don't know, see if you want to hire her. And so then Jim Ross had a little meeting with me. And in the meeting, he was like, yeah, we start most of our girls out as one of the Godfather's ladies. <laughs> and I was like, oh, great. Uh, yeah. Like, I don't want to say, oh, God, please, no, don't make me do that. Right. But he was like, yeah, you know, and he's like listing all the girls who have went on to be famous from that position, you know, and I just smiled and nodded. And he said, so we'd like to offer you a developmental contract. <clears throat> and I said, yeah, that sounds great. So. I flew home and started making money right away before they even gave me a character or knew what to do with me. So I was still getting severance from WCW and I was getting developmental guarantee from WWF and not really on TV. So that was like the, the highlight of my career was sitting home and getting paid by two companies. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty awesome. <laughs> yeah. That, I was just like, man, this, this life could not get any better. This is amazing. Um, but then eventually they did um, send me to go to uh, Memphis, Tennessee and train um, with like uh, Ronnie Killings and Brian Kendrick and Brian Danielson and uh, the Mean Street Posse and uh, Jason Sensation. There was like a huge group of us that all kind of trained at the WWF. Oh, and Victoria, uh, Miss Kitty. Mm-hmm. Um, all trained at the developmental training camp there. Um, Charlie Haas. Yeah, there was there was a whole crew of us that um, that trained there um, while we were waiting to find out what the WWF was going to do with us. Yeah. Now, during your time with WWF, uh, what would you say were some of your favorite moments? Um, I don't know. Like, a lot of my favorite moments didn't have anything to do with being on TV. <laughs> 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 I mean, I got paid to travel the world, you know. I mean, 49 states, 15 different countries. Uh, there's, like, so many 
awesome things that I thought, wow, like people save their whole lives to go on vacation to like Brisbane, Australia, and I'm getting paid to be here or Seoul, Korea or um, Helsinki, Finland, or, you know, wherever these really cool places are. And, and I, I, I always, and, and I mean, you could tell by looking at me, but I was the one who would skip the gym to go see the sites, <laughs> yeah. you know? And so, um, so that really just being able to travel the world. But as far as like my television career, I really enjoyed my TV storyline with Spike Dudley. It was kind of fun to have like actual acting skits and, and things that, the fans could get involved with or get behind or be involved and, and happy about. And so I would say that my Disney romance with um, Spike Dudley was definitely one of my, my favorite times on my TV career. Yeah, that, that was great. Yeah, I, it is crazy how many wrestlers I talk to who talk about all these countries they've been to but never got to see anything or, you know, they get to see it from the bus. And uh, yeah, that's great that you, you were able to take advantage of that because uh, – you know, it is hard to travel. Yes. <laughs> travel the world. Yeah, a lot of people, I mean, really, everyone did, like, the tanning in the gym. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, I should go tanning in the gym. But it's like, man, you know, like, I, I may never, ever be in Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia, ever again. Like, I need to go see the tallest buildings. Like, I, you know, so, so yeah. So my, like, career may have suffered for my choices. Um, it, you know, instead of being on the cover of a magazine, I was, like, on page 18, um, but to me, it was all worth it. Like, I really wanted to take every opportunity possible to experience life to the fullest. And uh, even if that meant being a supporting actress instead of a lead actress. So uh, had you been contacted about Raw 25 either? Or, because you were at Raw 15. No, I didn't remember being at Raw 15. Oh. Um, <laughs> but I also had somebody ask me if I was going to be at Raw 25. And to be honest, I didn't even know that there was a 25th anniversary. I'm like so not in touch with the TV show. Um, like sometimes Sean Devari will find something that he thinks is like super cool that happened in wrestling. And then he'll send me the highlight. Um, like, and he'll say, Ooh, watch this. Or have you seen this kid yet? Or have you seen, you know, so like every now and then Sean Devari will give me the highlights. But I haven't actually like watched Raw or SmackDown or whatever in years, so I feel out of the loop. And it stinks because like when I go to do autograph signings and stuff, fans will want to talk wrestling. Like they want to say like, "Who's your favorites? Who are you watching? Who is you know?" Like they want to talk about what they're passionate about, and I'm just like contribute to conversation. I feel like a jerk, but it's just like my lifestyle just doesn't involve watching TV, and so. I'm just kind of out of it. Yeah. Well, it's interesting because I, I feel like most of the former wrestlers I talk to don't really keep up with the product right now. And, and I'm not sure if it's because the shows are so long now and there's so much of it or just being in, in the business for so long that you you lose interest. But it, it didn't seem to happen as much before. Like, you know, 80s wrestlers were still following it in the 90s, you know, that, that retired earlier, whereas now it, yeah. it definitely well, seems Well, I think like it depends on how much of a... How much of a fan you were before you even did it? Like I said, I didn't really watch wrestling, and then all of a sudden I was on TV, and it was like my life for six years. But then I didn't really watch it anymore. And then also just like TV in, in general. So the Vikings were doing really well this year, and I'm from Minnesota, and everybody was talking about the Vikings, and and I just couldn't bring myself to sit in front of a TV for four hours and watch a game. Like I just 
I just can't. That's just not. That's just not how I roll. I just don't watch TV. And so, if someone, if something cool happens, send me a highlight. That's about it. So, um, part of it is that I'm just not like a fan of wrestling enough to to watch it. And the other thing is that I just don't want to sit down for three hours. I just I don't like sitting down for three hours. <laughs> it's, not what, it's not what I do. So, um, so yeah, that's. That's just, I guess, how where I'm at now. So, so you never binge watch like Game of Thrones or Stranger Things or anything like that? <laughs> no, no. <laughs> I, I know. I see all these T-shirts that say Stranger Things, and I'm like, I don't even know what that is. And my husband likes um, what's that? Last couple of years, The Walking Dead. Oh, he yeah, had yeah. me watch. I got through like half of one episode, and I was like, ugh. I'm not, I cannot watch this. And he's like, yeah, but it's like all these moral dilemmas and there's, it's like about, you know, the good versus evil and like, what would you do in these high stress environments? And I'm, I'm like, I don't, I don't know. I, my life can be stressful enough. I do not need like manufactured stress through a television program. No, thank you. <laughs> yeah. So. My, my <laughs> wife was the same way. She doesn't, uh, she did get into stranger things, but she can get in. She doesn't get into most shows I watch, but that and breaking bad were like the two mm-hmm. that she, she managed to sit through and, 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 and enjoy. Yeah, but um, so once you got out of the wrestling business, I know you've 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 done a lot of uh, you did a lot of work for um, a lot of charity work, helping people with drug and alcohol mm-hmm. rehab. Um, mm-hmm. Are you still uh, involved with doing that? Um, yeah. So as far as wrestling, I feel like prepared me for anything I could ever want to do. I mean, you're it's. it's like a mental, it's a really tough mental game to be in show business. Um, And so I feel like it prepared me really for anything I want to do. I feel like if I can handle the stress of being on live television, um, I can pretty much handle the stress of anything that I want to. And so I have had a few really cool opportunities um, to be an advocate uh, for people coming out of incarceration, um, people with chemical dependency problems, um, whether it's speaking with. Uh, Hello? Just. Um, oh, sorry. Can I you still you. hear me? Yeah, I lost you there for one second. <clears throat> oh, okay. So, um, so, yeah, my television career prepared me for um, just having a, a, a voice, I guess, um, and the confidence to be able to, to be an advocate for people um, with chemical dependency chemical dependency issues, also people coming out of incarceration who are trying to start their lives um, anew. And um, and so I've been able to speak um, to politicians in Minnesota and then also just like different fundraisers, um, been able to share, um, I don't know, stories of hope and be facilitate conversations of people that have had um, overcome really tough difficulties and and so, yeah, so I volunteered at um, Minnesota Adult and Teen Challenge in downtown Minneapolis for 10 years, and now I'm involved in a few other ministries um, that help people get on their feet um, when they're deciding to, to change their life for the better. That's great. Um, and you're also mm-hmm. uh, uh, a wrestling trainer, working with uh, Sean Devari yeah. and, uh, and Ken Anderson with the Academy. Ken Anderson. Yeah, School of uh, Pro Wrestling in Minneapolis. Um, how, how, did that, how, did, how did that all get started? Um, well, Sean Devari um, told me that him and Ken were going into business together and starting a pro wrestling school, and he asked me if I wanted to be a part of it. And um, even though I'm not, like, super into pro wrestling anymore, um, Sean's one of my best friends, and I would really do anything for him. I, I really 
care for him as a person. And I like Ken, too. I just happen to be closer friends with Sean um, because when Sean started in the WWE, he was not old enough to rent a car. You know, he was, like, 18. And so he used to ride with me, and so we became, like, wrestling friends or whatever, and, and we kind of developed that battle buddy bond um, back when, when he first started on TV. And so so I said, yeah, I'll be a part of your your school. And so, um, so I've, I'm one of the trainers there. Um, Ken does most of the hands-on training. Ken does an awesome job. I mean, he really is thorough and he, he cares about things done correctly so that people don't get hurt. And, um, and so, and then I've done some, like, I, I guess I, I would say I'm like a guest trainer there. I'm not there every, every day. Um, because I do have another full-time job and, um, other volunteer work that I do. So I'm not there every day like Ken is and Sean is. Um, but when I am there, it is really fun to see the students progressing, um, to get to see how excited they are. And, um, and really when you see people first come in, they, they share on their first day of class, like what inspired them to want to be a wrestler or like, why are they there at this, the school? And then to actually see them work their way up to working, uh, independent shows around Minneapolis and really hone their skills, um, you know, hands-on doing stuff in front of live audiences. It's fun to watch that, that transformation. Yeah. And I, I know you say you don't really watch wrestling too much uh, now, but um, have you been paying attention to how much women's wrestling has changed uh, in WWE as far as, um, you know, kind of getting away more from the, like the TNA aspect and kind of moving more to, you know, longer matches and, and, and more athletic, uh, more athleticism. Have you been able to follow that much? Um, well, I was at WrestleMania, um, gosh, was it last year? Which, which year was it where there's three girls? Um, it was uh, Charlotte and Sasha, and then was it Becky? Lynch? Yeah, that was uh, not, la- not this past year, not last year, but the year before, right? Okay, so I was I was at that WrestleMania and I watched the girls match and I was so impressed. I mean, their athleticism, their costumes, their like everything was just fantastic. And so I really um I was really happy to see that that the girls today and I do like I said I do watch some highlights here and there of different wrestlers and they all seem like they have really dedicated tons of time to being just as good as the guys. I mean, really learning all the moves, learning um, the, how to have that in-ring persona, all of that stuff. And so I've, I've been really happy that the girls' trend right now just happens to be that not only do they all look athletic and strong, but that they um, take their job really seriously. Yeah. Is there anyone, um, I, I know you don't watch that much, but has there anyone that really caught your attention that you were a fan of or that you were really impressed by? Well, Charlotte, Charlotte really blew my mind when I saw her do some gymnastics type things that usually are done by girls who are five foot one and 80 pounds. I mean, the fact that Charlotte can do these huge moves and she's big, like, that blows my mind. I remember the first time I saw Brock Lesnar do some top rope thing. I was like, what? But he's huge. And so that's how I feel with Charlotte. It's like, wow, she is doing things that, like, gravity is screaming, don't do that. <laughs> and she's like, F you, gravity. Ah! You know, like, she, um, so, so I would say that she has really blown my mind. And, um, and she's, I'd say she's probably one of my favorites. Yeah. Um, 
I know you don't really watch football, but do you have any opinions on the XFL probably coming back? Because you were there when it started the first time, right? I was there, and it was so sad that the first game wasn't like a good game. I feel like if that first game would have been competitive, that people would have gotten into it. Because, but I think it was a blowout, and it was, and then people were like, "Oh, well." But nobody would like to blow out no matter what kind of football it is. And so that's what stunk about it. Um, but I, I really thought Vince McMahon was so bold and brave in trying something so new. And, like, if it made a comeback, I would be in full support of it. Like, I still think it's a cool idea. Dory in um, a book called More Than a Conqueror by Portia Baxter. Is that correct? Um, yes, um, my friend Portia um, overcame addiction, and she has a really inspirational story that she shared in a book. And then at the end of her book, she has a collection of stories um, from people that she knows that have overcome other uh, challenges in life um, other than drug addiction um, to kind of help inspire her readers who might be faced with a variety of challenges. And um, my personal story is in there. Um, and so if anyone wanted to read more about a personal challenge that I went through that had nothing to do with pro wrestling, um, they could go on Amazon and um, order the book More Than a Conqueror by Portia Baxter, P-O-R-C-I-A Baxter, um, and they can just read a little bit about um, what happened in my life after pro wrestling. Great. Um, and I also wanted to ask you, what is your favorite match that you were involved with of all time? Um. You know, WrestleMania 20, getting my head shaved, definitely got me, like, the most, I don't know if you call it notoriety or or was memorable for a lot of fans. Um, however, whenever someone just finds out, like, oh, you used to be a wrestler, how can I watch you? And I, and I tell them to watch, um, like, a YouTube video. The one I always tell them to watch is Survivor Series 2003 against Lita because um, Lita was a super popular character and... Um, and the fans were really into the match, and it was a good match. Like, it it was good. And so I like Survivor Series from 2003, Molly versus Lita. Um, there's also a couple of matches against Trish that I thought went really well. Um, but definitely my most, like, famous match would be WrestleMania 20 at Madison Square Garden. Absolutely. You also teamed up a lot with Gail Kim, who she recently retired. She retired last year. Do you still keep in touch with her? I do. Yeah, we don't. We live in different parts of the country, so we don't like hang out in person. But um, her birthday's in February, and I always, you know, text her and see what's going on on her birthday. And then um, we, I would say, we like message each other. I don't know every couple of months or so, and just check in and see what each other's up to. Um, and and I keep wanting to like run into her at an autograph signing, and I haven't this year. Um, but I'm hoping to soon. Um, uh, and then if her husband does any things in the Minneapolis area, I, I always call her and I'm like, are you coming to Minneapolis? And she doesn't always go with him or anything, but, um, but yeah, I would still consider Gail a friend. I really like her a lot. Well, great. Um, well, thank you so much. I appreciate you taking the time to speak with me today. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me. For all the latest news and interviews, wrestling is the only website you need.